If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. Please remember, these episodes are considered for mature audiences only. There is some language and some mature discussion. Well, it's that time again. No, it's not time for your 15th random COVID test of the month. It's time for How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack, for along with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the second episode of the month of November. The year is 2020. Glad you can be with us. As always, check us out online at osipfoundation.org. You can contact the show electronically. The address is podcast at osipfoundation.org. And of course, on social media, facebook.com slash osip foundation and twitter and instagram are both at osip foundation hashtag how you play the game we've got a fantastic episode for you today returning to the show a friend of the show uh who's been on before uh we're, we're happy to have him back to talk about uh the houston astros as we kind of recap what has gone on in the past uh year plus uh you have been reading his stuff at uh the crawfish boxes at uh, the Astros blog at SB Nation as he's the lead writer and managing editor. And it's a pleasure to bring back uh, Mr. Bill Metzger. William, thank you so much again for, for joining us. It's, a, it's great to hear from you. How's everything going? Everything's going very well under all the circumstances. Uh, it's very happy to be here with you. And, you know, looking forward to talking. Uh, it's, it's, it is a pleasure uh, on our side entirely. Um, let's jump into it somewhat chronologically because uh, I think it's an understatement to say that the Astros have been in the news. So if we go back to where we were when we last spoke and then kind of move forward, we last spoke obviously about uh, the Jake Marisnik play. And we, I think we did a nice job kind of putting a bow on that. Um, and then the next thing you know, as we kind of wrap up the playoffs and, and, and get into uh, the off season of 2019-2020, uh, we've got the cheating scandal. And um, let, let, let me break it down this way as I ask you a couple of questions. Uh, you know, you told me before we started the interview about some of your, some of your feelings. Can you, can you talk about, you know, as someone who is a fan and as someone who, who, who covers them in the media, uh, what, can you describe kind of your initial reaction when the story broke uh, in the athletic with Mike Fires putting his name on it. And, and, you know, again, not, not looking to cast major moral judgments, but just kind of the experience of what you went through as someone in your position. I was, uh, I was crushed. Mm -hmm. I was very disappointed to hear about it. I, I assumed it was true from the beginning. It just didn't seem like something anyone would make up, um, too much detail, but, um, I have written in the past that I thought that uh, one of the things that made the Astros great was uh, that the core players were people of high character. And I'm talking specifically of Jose Altuve, George Springer, uh, Bregman, and um, uh, Altuve, Bregman, Springer, and... Uh, Correa? Correa, yeah. of course. <laughs> um, and um, they... Uh, they all have great backstories, every one of them. Right. Um, and, and had to overcome a lot to get to where they are. Uh, and and, I, and I've written with passion about that. And I still believe they are extraordinary people. I, I, I once said in one of those articles, I said, 
a team would be lucky to have one leader of that caliber. And this team has four of them. Mm -hmm. Talking about leadership and character, not right. just their, their, their skill. Right. Um, so this certainly put a, uh, put a, a black mark on, on that assessment to, an, to a degree. Right. Uh, I think that they screwed up. They did. And um, I think uh, I'm a little bit probably more forgiving about that than, uh, than uh, maybe people outside the Astros uh, fan world. Uh, I feel like I know them, but uh, they screwed up. I'm probably more willing to forgive them for that. And uh, I still think they have high character, but this, this was very disappointing. And uh, I, there's no, no excuse for it. Right. I've written about it three or four times. And um, so, yeah, I was extremely disappointed. And I understand, you know, I, I think that that's a, a very reasonable reaction to have. Um, you know, the, the investigation uh, that, that occurred uh, we know that obviously, uh, you know, that the, the, the court of public opinion is going to be significantly different from the, you know, the legal proceedings that, that occur in this, in, in this investigation. I think it, I think that, you know, a lot of the people were upset that players weren't disciplined, but at the same time, when you look at the, uh, the, the, the way that the, Players Association works in conjunction with the league. And I'm sure uh, Rob Manfred saw it and said, you know, it's going to be better to get to the bottom of this and give players immunity to get the, the whole story rather than going through a lot of the, you know, the, the flaming hoops to try and punish people. Um, you know, we, we eventually got to the, uh, the, the, the punishment that we know of, you know, where um, the people at the top were held accountable uh, we know that A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunau were, were both suspended for a year and subsequently fired. Uh, we know that Alex Cora, uh, after the, the other investigation with the Red Sox uh, and their Apple Watch and everything, concluded that uh, he, was, he mutually parted ways with the Red Sox and uh, was su uh, then uh, suspended for a year. We know I, think, that I think that Cora was... Um... I, was he suspended? I think he was suspended as as a result of the uh, Astros yes. investigation. You're yeah, absolutely not, correct. Yeah, because the because the Red Sox one showed that he had nothing to do with it, but I do know that they held that in abeyance while they concluded that that investigation. Um, and then we also know that Beltron of the Mets uh, mutually parted ways uh, as their manager before he could even put the uniform on, and the ink was dry on the contract. We know that. Um, you know, the Astros received a fine that was allowed via the Constitution of Major League Baseball. We know that they forfeited draft picks. Um, do you feel, as, as someone in your position, that <clears throat> the punishment that was received made sense based upon all of these mitigating factors uh, and, and trying to, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure as someone who's on, you know, the side that you're on, you, you, and, and as you just said, you, you, you may step back from the people who are just, you know, piling on from the court of public opinion, whether they happen to be ball players or not. Did, did the punishment uh, fit based upon everything that was placed in front of them with all the legal barriers and whatnot? Yeah. So I'm very conflicted about that. Yeah. Um, the, um, it's, it's a complex issue. AJ Hinch, 
tried to stop it, but wasn't strong enough. Mm -hmm. Um, he tried, he made his displeasure with the whole situation well known, but he did it in, in almost passive aggressive ways. Like he would just, he destroyed the, the video monitors on a couple of pages, but it still went on. Um, Luno is making a big case for saying he really didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I've been listening to Ben Ryder's um, uh, interviews of Luno, and I think he makes a stronger case than even most people here in Houston believe. Um, I think uh, he he considers himself a sacrificial lamb. He should have known. There's evidence that he didn't want to know, kind of plausible deniability. Right. Um, there's some evidence that he did know, but that's not conclusive evidence. So it's, it's a kind of a complicated um, issue of, of Luno's uh, culpability, um, except for the fact that, that he's the general manager and has to take responsibility for what happens beneath him. Um, the, uh, so punishing the players is a big, a big uh, uh, can of beans because you're going to have to punish all of them. Yeah. Of course, it wasn't. The, you know, of course, we know the MLBPA agreement wouldn't allow it anyway, and they had immunity to, to talk. Um, so do, who do you punish? Um, I, guess I, I guess one thing that people would expect is, hey, they cheated their way to, to, the, to the World Series. They, they have this, this uh, crown. They have this, the, this title. I guess some people, I, I'm sure many people think they should have to forfeit the World Series title. Um, and that's where I get, I'm very, very ambivalent as a fan. I, mm-hmm. I wonder how I would feel about it if I weren't from Houston, honestly. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder about the logistics of that too. The, uh, report claimed that the Astros cheating continued into the playoffs, but without any supporting detail. And there's good reason to doubt that just the logistics of doing it in the playoffs is just about impossible. There's too much noise in the stadium to bang a, a trash can. And there, there is one of the uh, Astros uh, fans actually went back and did a uh, digital audio recordings of every at bat for the whole year. Mm-hmm. Found out when they, when they beat the trash can and for whom they did it. And there is no, None of that, and it stopped. It stopped in the playoffs. In fact, it stopped a couple days before the playoffs when the White Sox seemed to have caught them red-handed. Right. There's also internal documents saying that um, the the whole thing wasn't working very well. Uh, one of the, the one of the um, um, people involved had written a document saying this thing isn't working so well in the second half. It seems like uh, the other teams are have figured it out. Um, the the um, the the Astros themselves uh, didn't they they didn't need to do this. Oh, everyone knows that, right? But they they, they deny it. They say that um, they think that the especially in the World Series, the Dodgers knew what the Astros were up to. They made the signs steal. They they changed their signs so much that it, it was just impossible. I think Carlos Correa made that argument uh, in his his famous uh, YouTube video mm-hmm. with, uh, I guess it was Ken Ross. Yeah. Ken Rosenthal. And, um, uh, so I think you Darvish had a good, a good uh, take on it. Um, he said, 
you know, in the world, in the, in the Olympics, if you cheat, you lose your gold medal, even if you didn't need to cheat. So I can see that argument. I mean, they shouldn't have done it. I don't know that they did it in the playoffs. They didn't certainly didn't need to cheat to, to get to the playoffs. Right. They were dominant. They were half their team was injured and they still won a hundred and some game, 103, I believe. I mean, so I, I would not argue with someone who said they needed to lose their, 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 their title. I can't say it's in my heart to say that. Right. And then there's another aspect of it. And this is not proven. It's the way a lot of people feel that the Astros probably weren't the only team doing this. They were probably the most blatant. Right. Uh, and that to some extent, the, um, the, the commissioner's report was a kind of um, uh, what the CIA calls a limited hangout. Right. Put out, the, put out some salacious details, make everybody happy, and then we can cover up the rest of it. Right. Uh, I don't know that that's exactly – I don't know that's what happened. There's a lot of suspicion that that's what happened. Um, there's – you know, when, when Beltron came to the Astros – he said, God, you guys are way behind the times on this. Let me show you how it's done. Right. <laughs> so um, I, I, don't, I don't know that they completely uh, created this out of whole, whole cloth themselves and that there weren't other people doing it. But we don't know. And right. baseball refused to investigate other teams. And so that always leaves uh, a, uh, a foul taste in the mouth of Astros fans. Okay, let's just, let's just get them. Let's 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 protect Boston and New York and Los Angeles, the major markets, and let's blame it all on the Astros. I'm not saying that's the case. That's the way some people feel about it. Well, you're. I think you bring up a good point because there's there is some gray area, and when there is gray area, you you know you are free to uh, express those opinions and you know talk about their validity without having to necessarily subscribe to them. Um, you know, you brought uh, so many great points you just made, and I want to try and get into as many as I can. Um, I was watching an interview with Todd Callis, great play-by-play man for the Astros on TV, son of the late, great Harry Callis. Um, he was on MLB Network, and they asked him about this. And they said, you know, they, they said, you know, you're, you're there. How would you react or how do you react to this news and all and, and all of this coming down and whatnot, and Callis's answers were basically, uh, you know, a defense mechanism of what you just kind of what you just said, which is, well, everyone else was doing it, and his tone was 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 clearly going in that way. Is is, is that the right thing to do? I mean, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna sit here and say nobody else was doing. It. Uh, you know, we, we, you just said it perfectly. It's very possible. And in fact, could be very probable that every or almost every major league team had something that was, you know, towing the line of legality when it comes to this. Um, but it seemed like Callis's response was somewhat callous, if you will. Yes. Uh, thank you. I'll, I'll be here all week. Tip your waitress. Try the veal for that one. Um, <laughs> but, but it, does does that type of a response seem warranted when the defense mechanisms have to go up, or was that type of a response a bit too brash for the public to say, you know, why can't you just take your medicine and sit down? I didn't like. I didn't want to make that. That I didn't want to have that um, 
that that reaction and i didn't take that reaction i i think that uh in fact in in my first article about it i even said that's not an excuse that you can't use that argument. i said my mom always told me um is if everyone else is going to be jumping off a cliff are you going to jump off the cliff too right um uh, so i i think that um there needs to, you know, people have to do the right thing, even if other people aren't. Right. Um, I, I, I just, that's the way I, I, I wrote that. So I'm not just saying that now. Um, I, there's another aspect to this. Um, I believe that there's what, how the Astros reacted in their dugout is something of a reflection of, our society, you know, in a way. And again, mm -hmm. I'm not making an excuse for them. They shouldn't do it. Um, I think it's become taboo in, in so many areas to say that something's wrong. This is wrong. Just stand up and say, this is wrong. When somebody like, I, play, I blame Beltron to a large extent for this. Okay. And that's sad because I admire, I admire him and he's a great baseball mind. And oh, absolutely. And the uh, baseball lost the opportunity to have a great manager because Beltron would have been superb. He was such a, a, a mind of baseball and such. And he always paid attention to the details long before the, the technology made it easy. I mean, he would run video, I mean, on tape, taped video, and, and look for, sign, look for uh, you know, uh, um, pitchers tipping, things like that. Right. Um, he would probably supposedly noticed that you Darvish was tipping during a world series. I mean, this is the way he was, but so when the technology got better, it's natural for him to be on top of it. Um, but he comes in there, the grand old man to a team that's very young and says, Hey guys, let's do this. And nobody said, no, mm. they're, they're batting, they're, they're banging trash cans. That, what could be, what could be stupider and more obvious? Yeah. Nobody said, no. Some people didn't do it, and I want to make this point. The, the, the trash can um, digital data shows that Jose Altuve only had bangs on 3% of his, his pitches. And Carlos Correa said in that interview with Ken Rosenthal, whenever someone did that, he would come back in the dugout and say, stop, I don't want that. He would say, it didn't help me. I don't, I, you know, he just wanted to look at the pitch. He didn't want to be confused. Right. But he didn't do it. Josh Reddick didn't do it. Um, I mean, very, very minimally and apparently against their, against their wishes. Uh, typically, the, the percentage of trash can hits was 15 to 20% on most of the other players. So okay. Jose did not participate, but he didn't say no. And that's one of the reasons why he himself apologized. What, that, what's, that's what he really apologized for. I didn't stop it. Yeah. Nobody stopped it. And, and that, to me, is... That's a social. That's a that's a social norm now. I mean, it's it's gotten more and more difficult for individuals to stand up and say, against group pressure, this is wrong. We can't do this. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, I forgot the original question. That's okay. No, I think I think what what you said is is it, it, it hits the mark because we have a situation where, you know, that you know we. In baseball is such a great game because it is the perfect mix of both individual and team aspects. And there's a lot of 
similarity with that in life too. You know, there's a lot in life where you, you, you need to just watch out for yourself and kind of mind your own business and do your own thing. And you don't want to be bothered by other people and whatnot. And yet there's also a lot where you have to look at the greater good and say, well, where do I fall on this and what needs to be done? I mean, I, I think, I mean, that's kind of, to a certain degree, a very watered down way of just kind of looking at politics in a way, um, yes. you know, so, so I understand that. And, and I think what you said is a, is a fantastic commentary on the nature of where we stand with this. You know, it's, it, it, it forces us to ask the question of where is that line in the sand of when we need to step up and say what you're doing is wrong. Um, and it's not very clear. And you, 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 you eloquently stated just what it, you know, how it was um, as a result of that, uh, do you feel that, you know, if you look at the, at the, at the, the, the rhetoric and the perceived lack of contrition that happened from the time that the, the, the suspensions broke and whatnot until let's arbitrarily say the shutdown from the pandemic started in spring training, just because it's kind of like a, a, a common place to drop the needle. Does that seem to fit with just the idea that you, you kind of have to be, you know, hold your cards close to the vest when you are under such scrutiny? Um, or or should, they, should there have been more contrition? Because I think like many of the other things that we've talked about, there's a lot of gray area here. And, and I'm curious to know, based upon what you've said so far, can we hold these cats accountable for not showing enough contrition or does that just make the most sense for self-preservation as the process unfolds and allows us to make better judgments in the future? I wanted more contrition. Um, of course they put out Tuve out there to be the face right. and he didn't do it and he knows he didn't do it. So it's really hard for him to, to be that uh, person, it would almost have been a lie for him to show contrition when he didn't do it. Um, I think that off the, off the subject of your question, I think the mental conflict was very much a part of his poor season. Mm -hmm. He never got his, he, 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 and not until the very end did he get his mentality on track. Um, it just, the, he's a very sensitive person and a very moral person. Right. Um, I, I wrote an article defending Altuve um, and uh, just recently during the playoffs. And I got some comments from people who had played with him, including in Venezuela, who said, yes, this person is gold. This is one of the purest good people you'll ever meet. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't see how he could pretend to be contrite when, when he really didn't do it. Then you put Bregman as the other face of contrition. Well, he's, he's a stubborn, he's a stubborn man. He's, He's almost the opposite. He's the kind of guy you want next to you in a, in a bunker when you're fighting and the, and the enemy's charging your, your, your position. I mean, um, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a bulldog type. Um, uh, but I did want to see more contrition, and I've wondered why they didn't do it. I, I, I feel like there is contrition there, um, but, they're all, but like you said, I think they also want to defend themselves from – they, they don't want to make themselves overly vulnerable um, to 
to, to attacks. And so, yeah, they're, they're kind of circling the wagons a little bit. Right. And I think there's a possibility that they're more aware than the rest of us that other people were doing it and they can't say that. That makes I sense. Don't, I don't know that, but it seems, it seems possible to me. I, I, and, and that's, I think that's a fair comment. You know, you, uh, we, we've kind of circled around the idea that there is something there, there, or there, there could be a smoking gun under anybody's house in, in major league baseball. So I, I think that that's a very fair statement. Um, you know, Carlos Correa is a, is an interesting figure in it because, you know, he fits the same kind of bill. He did that interview with Ken Rosenthal that you referenced and whatnot. And as, as the Astros went through this, this shortened season, uh, you know, they, they, they get into the playoffs with a sub 500 record, which kind of, you know, makes sense depending upon how you, you know, how you kind of look at the math of what we're going to do this year and whatnot. So it is what it is. Um, but Correa kind of had that that rhetoric of like nobody believed in us, and and they make it all the way to the ALCS. They push it to Game Seven. Was you know, do, do, does he or does the, does the team have the right to take that stance, knowing what we know about what they've been through? Because again. I think there's two sides to this. Whatever they need to do to, to, to fight the good fight in the moment uh, is, is necessary. And yet at the same time, the court of public opinion looks at it and goes, we point to you as the people who got caught. So where do we drop that needle? Do we, do we allow, do we look worse at Correa because of that, even though he didn't necessarily do anything morally wrong? Um. I think there was um, a lot of frustration in the way he reacted. Um, the you know, obviously, people a lot of people think the Astros got where they got because of cheating. Mm -hmm. Knowledgeable fans know they really didn't need to cheat, but they're, they're taking a lot of criticism, um, and there's a lot of doubt cast on the on the uh, validity of their accomplishments in the past. And then they have 2020, and they they stunk. I mean. Yeah. It was terrible. Um, it wasn't just the fact that they lost almost their entire pitching staff. It, it, injuries were pretty big this year, so I get the, that. Yeah. The rookie pitchers who came out of single A and double A actually were good. Yeah. Um, but it was Correa, Altuve, Bregman, and, and who, who weren't. Springer came on at the end. Um, and so people are saying, aha, see, without cheating, y'all can't play. And uh, – I think that had something to do with his reaction in, 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 when he said, now what are you going to say? Um, yeah, see, we're good. You thought we weren't good? We're good. He, he left himself open. You know, it was just an impromptu interview. What are you going to say? That was his right. last. Now what are you going to say? Well, you're cheaters. That's yeah. what we're say. <laughs> I mean, you're still cheaters. I yeah. mean, that didn't help much. Um, he was the one who actually – of all the Astros took the most um, vocal defense. He did it with in the Rosen, Rosenthal interview. And I will admire him till the day I die for how he defended his friend Altuve in that. Mm -hmm. Altuve has not said one word in his own defense. That's the kind of humility he has. And um, Correa spent half that interview pointing out to the world that Altuve didn't cheat. Um, 
so I admire uh, uh, Carlos for that. Um, he said that they didn't um, that they didn't really cheat in the World Series and um, all the reasons why they couldn't, and a lot of people doubt that. Um, I don't know for sure. No one knows, but um, uh, he he was trying to make the uh, he. I think people didn't like the fact that he was trying to make the team into, into victims mm-hmm. and we're going to overcome our victim status. We're going to overcome the odds. Um, it, they, it's just hard to, to be considered a victim when you were caught red handed cheating. Right. Um, in a sense they were, I, I'm sure they felt like they were, that they were probably getting excessive uh, criticism and just outright hate. And so, yeah, there's a, probably a kind of, circle the circle circle the wagons and and uh we're gonna we're 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 gonna do this and we have to prove ourselves and we have proven ourselves so i think that's part of his attitude and he's taken on the most combative um role among the 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 astros accused of cheating i haven't heard much from springer at all do you think that springer has played his last game as an astro based upon his free agent nature yes yeah oh yeah it's sad Oh, it's so sad to Astros fans. He's just one of the most beautiful people on earth. And, um, uh, yeah, it makes me want to cry, really. He's, I, he's, <laughs> yeah. I get it. You know, he looks he, – and, and there's a lot of teams in the Northeast uh, where he's from that are probably looking very attractive and, and whatnot. I know the Mets could use him. I know the Blue Jays might like him. So I, I certainly understand. I think the Red Sox just lost an, uh, an outfielder too. Yeah, JBJ looks like he might be on the way out too. So uh, it's yeah, it's 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 a. No, I'm talking about the the, the MVP. Oh, Mookie, Mookie! Yeah. How could I forget Mookie? Right. Silly yeah. me. Yeah. Right. You know I mean, you know, you know why I forgot Mookie? Because my girlfriend is a Red Sox fan, and I'm a Yankees fan. Oh and, no. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yep. And she and she was a big Mookie fan and whatnot. And so uh, I try and basically let anything that she says about the Red Sox go in one ear and out the other, while listening to all the other minor things that I have to listen to about what she likes and doesn't like, so that I can buy her the proper gifts at all the holidays. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh well, you managed to work it out. I hey, I'll 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 see what I'll see what I can do. I mean, we've been together ten years. I might as well just keep suffering for another ten. Um, without taking away uh, the, the the championship, you know, let's take let's take the idea of vacating the twenty seventeen championship off the table. Is there an asterisk uh, next to that twenty seventeen championship? Is it tainted? I mean, it, it, that's just a reality. Yeah. Whether it should be is a whole nother question. It is. I mean, it, it's always going to be remembered. Right. Cheated. Uh, how, how could there not be an asterisk? There's, and there's just another question. How much did the cheating help? You want to talk about that? That's, that's I mean, geez, we could do a whole show on that. Uh, and yeah. I, I, the, um, there, there's been – I think The Athletic ran an article talking about how strikeout rates went down in home games. Uh, swing and miss uh, rates went down in home games. That's really getting deep into the sabermetrics of it. Um, but I just ran into a baseball prospectus article, and the conclusion of that article was it, it really didn't seem to help. I mean, mm. it, there were times when they got the wrong signal, and then you're totally screwed. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they misread the signal. Um, when you look at the 
traditional stats, the Astros that year won way more games on the road than at home. They scored way more runs. Um, so it's, it's doubtful it really helped. Yeah. And, I mean, you can, you can look at the 2017 World Series in itself and say, that, you know, the Dodgers had home field advantage and they, and they still lost, you know, the games that they did at Dodger Stadium. Right, two out of you know, four. Yeah, so you, you win one of those games, it's a different story. So, and, and in the ALCS that year, I think um, the games in, the, in, in, uh, in Minute Maid Park were – neither team scored hardly any runs at all. They were 2-1 victories, you know? Yes, and, um, and uh, the Yankees crushed it in Yankee Stadium. Right. Uh, yeah. Some people look at Aaron Judge's uh, home away stats – and they, they, they raise their eyebrows a bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, the way I look at it is, you know, as a Yankees fan, if you wanted to make the argument of which teams should be upset over this, I would give more credence to the Yankees being upset over it than I would the Dodgers if you, if you want to go down that road right. because, because they played four games at Minute Maid in the ALCS. That's really the only way that I will move the needle. Um, it's still up to, you know, the players to execute. Uh, you know, they need. You know, you win one out of those four games, it's a different World Series. It's the, you know, so so it's the whole thing is just, you know, it's it's, it's pitching it's, one that pitching one that ALCS. Oh, absolutely. Highlander was a buzzsaw. I mean, it was unbelievable. One of the best pitching. His nine inning one run outing in uh, game two was one of the best playoff performances ever done. It was amazing. I mean, the, the fact that, that Hinch could pivot the way that he did and close out the World Series with starting pitching, is, is, it's a testament to the fact, and we see it now, uh, I mean, geez, we can look at the 2020 World Series and show how, you know, running out the script of when your relievers are supposed to come in just doesn't work the same way in the postseason. You yes. know, analytically speaking, that might work over 162, but it's the playoffs. The postseason is a different game entirely, and you can't run by the same numbers that way. Hinch was brilliant in, in 2017, and then he he switched his own script in, in 2019 and took Grinky out early. Yeah. And uh, Grinky said this – yeah. With Cole sitting there waiting to come in. Exactly. I mean, yeah. people are saying, what are you doing? I, he didn't have much faith in Grinky. And this year, Grinky um, got, to, got to make it through a, a, a rally from the other team and got through it. Uh, I guess it was against the Rays. Mm -hmm. And he finally said, I, I finally feel like I'm trusted here. I yeah, mean, and that, yeah. And so I, it, that, could have been the, that could have been another World Series right there. But Absolutely. hey, Hey, Hinch did some great moves in, in the other one, so, you know, it evens out. I hear you. I hear you. Um, we just learned recently that Jeff Luno has um, filed a lawsuit as a result of um, his, his termination. Um, you know, he has obviously felt that he was the scapegoat. Um, do you think that his lawsuit has any merit to the point where there could be a judgment in his favor, or is this kind of a, you know, a last ditch attempt at just grabbing some sort of credibility back? I have spent um, some time 
studying this recently, like 10 minutes before this interview. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, I, I li I've listened to his um, interview with Ben Ryder and, uh, and I, I reviewed Ben Ryder's book. I have a little bit of contact with him, but um, uh, it's an excellent interview. Ben Ryder is one of the best flat out journalists there are out there, not just sports journalists. I'm really out there to get the facts. Um, doesn't seem to have any bias. And he let, he, he, he laid it out both sides. And um, I have to say, Luno sounded very sincere about not having knowledge. And uh, he's gonna, going to try to allege that the, um, that um, baseball Manfred and the, the owner Crane uh, pretty much conspired to make him the scapegoat. And Crane went for that to save $22 million in Luno's salary. Okay. Now, if I can, I can't really speak to the facts of that. That's going to have to come out in court. So, um, but Luno, I think I mentioned this earlier that uh, Luno, um, there, there wasn't a lot of hard evidence that he knew. There, the, the, the best hard evidence was that there were some um, email references to uh, Codebreaker, which was one of the uh, one of the systems they used to figure out uh, the signs, the, what the signs are of other teams. But they were long emails, and, and and he claimed he didn't really read all the way to the end. And Ryder pointed it out, yeah, people I talked to in the organization believe that he never he actually wouldn't read things to the very end. But uh, there was a reference to dark arts <laughs> and, and code breaker. And, and the guy that was in, in charge of uh, who was reporting this and really did it physically, logistically. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, he's called TKW in, um, in, the, in the interviews. Um, he blamed Luno. But Luno says, of course, he blamed me because he's the one who did it. And so, as Ryder pointed out, it's a, it's a word, he said, she said situation. They're both pointing fingers at the other one. Um, this guy, TKW, had a, a big financial incentive for facilitating the player's desire for signs and understanding the, 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 the codes because they would have cut him in on a share of the playoff money, and they uh, did. Yeah. And that's more than his salary. There you go. Luna pointed that out. So um, I, I couldn't tell you where this is going to go. I, you know, I'm, I'm more on Luno's side than I think the people on my staff. I think there's been, there's been a tendency to uh, kind of go in on the idea that, that, that he, he was wrong. And I'm starting to think maybe he was a scapegoat. I, I never thought of him as a lying, cheating kind of person. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at him and, and, and listen to him. He's, he seems like a really straightforward kind of guy with a lot of decency. So, and when I, it's just a matter of judging, you know, tone, the tone of voice and just, you know, when someone's lying, I don't right. get that sense when I listen to him uh, in, in writers interviews. And, uh, but then again, really good liars are, are able to make that come off. So 
I think the bigger point here, and I know he's not here to defend himself, but uh, our producer engineer, Sean Ryan, uh, constantly never reads my long emails. And every time I send him a long email, like for pre-production or anything like that, he's just like, yeah, I'm not reading this. Can you just tell me later and whatnot? So I want to just make sure I jab at him now before he gets an opportunity to respond. This is why you read the dissertations that are my emails. Yes. All right. What's the... What's that phrase? TLDR? Too long, Too long didn't long read. read. <laughs> yeah. I, I just found that out myself. So, yeah. I, I write emails for a living, and uh, right now I'm a freelance writer. And uh, yeah, uh, that's definitely one of the things. You keep yeah. everything short, you keep the sentences short, you get right to the point. You know, you don't, no one's going to follow a long email. So it's not unusual at all. I mean, yeah. these were five page emails. This, and, and, and I don't like reading any either, but I don't want to get implicated like Jeff Luno did. So, yeah, he, but that's a different story, I guess. You know, and, and this guy TKW said that, that they had conversations about Codebreaker and here and there. And again, he said, she said, he denies it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know for a fact. So I'm not going to say how that lawsuit's going to come out. I understand they're going to settle. Okay. Do that's you, what I've do you think that Luno has, will get another job in baseball? Mm. No. No? Okay. I don't think so. I mean, he's talking about going into football <laughs> um, or, or other sports, even soccer. I, I, I don't think he will. And uh, anyway, you know, obviously some of the other culprits are, are already on the job. So, but I don't think Luno will. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, I could be wrong, but I think it, I guess the market for, for um, general managers isn't as wide open as managers. They don't get fired as often. So maybe in a few years when it's something a, comes. Yeah. And it's, it's a different landscape and it's entirely, we see how the, the, the managerial market changes significantly as they're becoming more of middlemen in certain respects. So, um, you know, it, it, the, the GM market has even been changing to a degree because now it's like the, the president of baseball operations gets more uh, clout than the GM does, you know, yeah. and sometimes that's the same person, but sometimes it's not. So I, I guess, I guess it's a roll of the dice that we'll have to watch and see, um, you know, as we looked at this past season, um, there were two incidents that occurred on the field that I think kind of to a certain degree and to not a certain degree, put a coda on this the first one we'll go chronologically the first one which you wrote about was the the joe kelly incident um you know it was it was it was dodgers and astros in minute made joe kelly who was not on that 2017 team but he was on the 18 red sox took it upon himself to enact some revenge in his pitching, um, and it, it caused a brouhaha uh, that included the famous pouty face. Um, it included some suspensions. Uh, I don't think punches were thrown, though, but it obviously had weight behind it because of what we obviously just discussed. Talk about uh, what you wrote about regarding that incident and, and, and what transpired. Well, the um, my colleagues in, in the uh, L, the True Blue uh, SB Nation site for Los Angeles 
said that um, he was, uh, Joe Kelly was the hero we've been waiting for. And I simply took exception to the idea that his actions were heroic, mm -hmm. that he tried to throw at three different players. Um, when he threw a fastball at Bregman's head, Bregman ducked under it. Um, and uh, so I think uh, it might have been, uh, I don't know if it was Gurriel or Correa, he threw a slider at their head. If you if you dunk on if you duck under a, a slider, you're going to get that slider right in your head. Yeah. Um, uh, it missed. He never actually hit anyone, but there were three pitches, maybe four, that were definitely, you know, they they were laser guided right right at the players' heads. Right. And um, you know, he claims oh, I'm just I'm I love that defense. Uh, those people are jerks, and I wanted to hit them, but I really didn't mean to. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what he said. Yeah. Uh, then he had an interview later. And, um, but um, I, just, I, I just – I can understand that people in Los Angeles are very frustrated, um, but that Joe Kelly was just I, – I believe he was – that jerk is a nice word. I don't want to say bad words here on your, on your podcast uh, – but he, he's a, he was a baby. I mean, a child. Yeah. It was just it was just sad to see someone acting like that on a baseball field. And then and then then he's made made into a hero. I I can understand the 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 anger, but not that level of hate. It was just off the boards, off the off the charts. No one else threw at the Astros all year. Yeah, I think Kelly enjoyed just enjoyed the the spectacle of it. Um, and and it seems like he. You know, I guess the worst part, it's bad enough that he was throwing at them. It was worse that he was canonized. Yes. You know, that, that I think is what drives us, is us, us more wild is that we can sit here and say that, as you just eloquently said, you understand what Joe Kelly is feeling because I'm sure many people have felt that. But to be raised to some level of sainthood because of what you did is, I mean, that to me is almost even uh, an even greater indictment on society than what we talked about earlier in the episode. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think I'm I, I more or less alluded to that. I, totally. And uh, um, I think that I don't, I don't even know if he's very sincere. I, I think that maybe he wanted to be, wanted to take that opportunity to be, to be lionized. And, and they made, you know, murals of, of the incident of him making this pouty face. And I'm looking at this face. I'm thinking, this is a hero. This yeah. I'm used to heroes on, on horseback, you know, doing heroic things, not making baby faces. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, you, you said it, you said it very, very well. <laughs> that's like, that's like when, um, when, when there was that fight with uh, Jose Bautista and uh, Rugnando Odor a couple of years ago, you know, people look at Odor as the hero for that punch that he landed and then backed away, you know, like, okay, I got my punch now. I got to run away so I don't get retaliated. And I'm like, I'm like, we're looking at it like, don't look at him like a hero, not for, for multiple reasons. First of all, I don't know if it's necessary to punch the guy, but if you're going to do that, most heroes then don't retreat. So, yes. you know, I got my, I got my sucker punch in, um, here in Houston, uh, he might be the least liked player in baseball. Yeah. But 
because he's from the Texas Rangers. So oh, there you go. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't – but, no, his – yeah. I, it, it also has overtones of – and I remember this vividly a couple of years ago, Yankees-Red Sox Sunday night baseball. Um, Ryan Dempster is pitching for the Red Sox, and Alex Rodriguez comes up to the plate. And Dempster tried to hit A-Rod on four consecutive pitches – and I think the fourth one, which would have been ball four, may have gotten him in the leg or something like that. And, and, and Joe Girardi came out to argue with home plate umpire Brian Onora and just said, you've got to be out of your mind if you don't think that what just happened was an accident or doesn't deserve some sort of punishment. You know? and, and it was Girardi who got ejected. So, and I'm not going to sit here and defend ejections or anything like that, but I, I will, you know, I'll say this is, it's, we, we seem to uh, make these people out to be heroes when they really are just as much the villain as other people in the story. I think, I think Joe Kelly has a history of being a, a childish person. And that, yeah. that's, that's all that was. I mean, he, he, he did something else in that game, too. He, he apparently um, put his foot on the bag when uh, Michael Brantley was running towards first um, in a way that would have hurt Brantley's ankle, which it did. Yeah. I mean, it really hindered his running for most of the rest of the season. And then he just kind of hung around and you know, acted childish you know, towards the dugout. And I think Dusty Baker won a lot of hearts uh, in Houston because he's not a typical Astros kind of manager. He's old school and, you know, Astros are supposed to be analytical and all this. But I think he won the hearts of Astros fans. Uh, can I use bad language here? Go ahead. We'll bleep it out if we don't like it. Because Dusty Baker said, get back on the mound, you little fucker. Yeah. <laughs> I remember and that. It was like, yeah. Yes, way to go. Because you could hear it because there weren't any fans. So it was yeah. right there on TV. Yep. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're, yeah. you're my manager now. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and you know what's funny is that, you know, I, as someone who has managed baseball before um, and, and still sometimes do, I, I try and avoid saying things like that. But I can count vividly on one hand the times where I'm like, yep, we got to say that. You know, something like that. You're just, you're just, you're just like, just this is, we got to stop this. So, yeah, yeah you're, you're absolutely right. Now, the other incident that I wanted to touch on was a little later in the season between uh, Ramon Laureano of the A's and Astros hitting coach Alex Cintron. And there seemed to be uh, some words in Spanish that were exchanged. Um, you know, the, the, I, think, I think some of the reports said – uh, there might have been talk about Loriano's mother. Whether that was true or not was was a was a different story. But it was a um, probably a worse incident to a certain degree than the incident with Kelly because punches were thrown and and whatnot. Um, talk about your reaction to that, and 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 even more so the fact that you know these this is this is now two incidents in this season immediately following this cheating scandal. And obviously the second one here probably has nothing to do with it, but it's almost like a black cloud is trying to follow the Astros. Yeah, I felt that way at the time too. Um, in the second incident, um, 
Loriano was upset because he got hit, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember which pitcher it was. It was one of those single-A, double-A people had no business in the big right. leagues. <laughs> but uh, um, anyway, and uh, yeah, then he comes, you know, he's mad and he's, he wants to storm the mound, but he doesn't storm. He goes down first base and then Citron start, starts heckling him. Because, you know, Loriano's on the edge. I mean, he wants – he's almost about to, to, to launch on somebody. Right. And uh, Cintron starts needling him. Don't know what he said. And I think the reaction was among my staff and myself, mostly Cintron was at fault. Okay. We, that this, was, this was stupid behavior. I mean, childish. And he got 20-game suspension, but, you know, he's just a coach, so what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, he's expendable. Yeah. Yeah. Loriano, Loriano lost a few games. Now, yeah. Loriano is a sore subject for uh, Astros fans. He came right. out of the Astros organization and we gave, we traded him for nothing. Yeah. God. We're all just saying, oh, man, could we use a guy like that in the outfield now? Yeah. We lost our three starting outfielders to free agency. So, oh, God. Anyway, <laughs> so that's another issue altogether. Right. But but and and Loriano is man he's a he's a fun player to watch for the A's too you know so I understand the he the gets nature. hot against the Astros yeah it's yeah. like a revenge or something but hey he I, you know he he overreacted but Cintron just flew through through gas on the on the fire right I, yeah no one's disputing that he was in the wrong we we kind of enjoyed our 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 backup catcher though who. Uh, uh, when Loriano charged, it was Garneau who just uh, tackled him like he was a linebacker. Right. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Garneau's obviously saying, listen, if this baseball thing doesn't work out, I'm sure the Texans will have me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He'd probably be starting uh, yeah. right off the bat. J.J. <laughs> Watt who? I mean, I, just, I don't understand. I could just, so, um, yeah, as, as, we, as we wrap this interview up, is there anything else – that you feel is necessary to to say as we as we kind of put a bow on this i mean i think that we what we've done is really tried to comb through this stuff and show that um the experience that the astros have had has been um unfortunate partly because they have brought it on themselves but also because it's very gray it's, you know, there's a lot of room for interpretation. And I think our discussion shows that, you know, there, we, we, it's not as simple as just following the court of public opinion and saying Astros bad, shame on them, etc. I think it's fair to say it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be upset. Um, you know, I know as a Yankees fan, it, you know, part of me will will always have um, a a bad taste in my mouth, probably for the Astros until that, you know, that, that core from those years is kind of, you know, gone to a certain degree. But at the same time, I recognize that this is a very uh, gray area. It's ever evolving. We're going to feel different about it in six months. And then again, in 12 months and whatnot. And, it's just going to be it's, – it's just one of those things where we can't just take it for the face value of let's hate on them 
and uh, more and more and more. So is there anything that you'd like to add to kind of put a bow on the argument, on the discussion, anything that, that you want to say once the floor is yours? Well, you just said it very well, and uh, you let me expand on whatever it is, is I wanted to say up to now. So I, I don't have a whole lot to add to that. Um, yes, the Astros were wrong, and I understand the anger. It's justified. I think that some people are, a lot of people are reveling, enjoying their 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 hatred of the Astros maybe more than they uh, than is healthy for their own <laughs> their own well being. Right. The uh, in one of the articles I said that um, moral posturing has replaced morality, and I think there's some of that there. You know, oh, there. You know, makes you makes you you bigger and better and taller to be able to look down on these evil people who did this horrible thing. Um, I think that the way it worked out the, with this important man, Beltron coming in and um, Alex Cora supporting it so much, um, it was very difficult for these young individual players to say, no, I won't do it. Um, and so it kind of became a, um, a culture in the, in the dugout and said, yes, this is okay. Right. Um, I don't think that, that they're bad people. I think that most people under the same circumstances would have done what these individual players did. Um, yeah. I you know there's one thing, it's not a bow on it, but there's one point I did want to make sure. um, um, that I haven't said, and I don't know if anyone else has, has I've not read this, uh, analysis anywhere else so and i think it has to do with aj hinch um and his behavior you know mm -hmm. he tried to stop it but not very much and you know one you could say well hinch was weak and maybe so maybe he was too much of a player's coach i don't know um the players respect him immensely though and i, I always wondered about that why didn't he do more he didn't agree with it i mean it, it, he, he let it happen anyway I think there was a chemistry in the clubhouse that he didn't want to upset. Mm -hmm. And in Astro Ball, Ben Ryder mentioned the importance of Carlos Beltran, a bridge. No, the, 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 the Astros organization from Luno down understood that cohesion in an organization or a clubhouse is very important to success in any organization. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to avoid fracture lines. And an obvious fracture line in a, in an or, in a baseball team could be racial. Um, and uh, Beltron was a person who was actually very good at bridging that kind of divide. He was a uniter. Um, and he, the, the team had very little of that kind of division. Mm -hmm. Brett himself uh, was, a, was one, too. He learned Spanish. Um, Carlos Correa, as a child, learned English famously. I mean, he told his kid, his father, when he was eight, hey, dad, when I get to the major leagues, I want to be able to speak for myself. They put him in English. They taught him English from the age of eight so wow. he could speak for himself in major league baseball, which he has certainly been doing. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, get back to the point. The, um, um, I'm afraid, I think that Hinch was afraid to take on, head on, Beltron, and Cora, because he thought it might create one of those fracture lines in the clubhouse. Interesting. I'm not sure. It's just a conjecture on my part. 
but I, I believe that could have something to do with it. Do you, and, and to follow up with that, do you think that that was purely about the team chemistry with regard to performance on the field? Um, or do you think that there, there may have been more to it? If we were to go down that rabbit hole, because we obviously see, um, you know, the sensitivity of that in, in this country and, and in many aspects, not just in sports and whatnot. Uh, now, granted, obviously, in a pandemic, it's, you know, all bets are off. Um, but do, do you, you know, do you think that he was even more sensitive because of that? Or do you think it was, you know, mostly driven by, I don't want to fracture a team so that they play better? Was it a combination? You know, do you, do you think there's anything to that that you could, that you could extrapolate on even more? I think that um, it's not one or the other. They go together. That mm-hmm. a, a team that's happy with each other. And anyone who looked at the 2017 Astros saw what a spirit they had and what, yeah. what a joy they had in the game and with each other, that that kind of exuberance is going to lead to performance on the field. I mean, you, you play baseball. I, I, I always thought it was very – psychology was very important in baseball. Yes. When I felt like I was going to play well, I, I did. I often noticed even with Little League teams, when they're banging that dugout and making a lot of noise, the team – they usually got more hits. They usually could actually generate a rally. That's just my little experience. I think that, you know, big leaguers don't act that way, but I think happiness and joy and exuberance and it leads to confidence and leads to, it leads to good results in some subtle way. Um, I think that uh, in Master of Ball, they, you know, the analytics department figured it was six wins. The, that group cohesion would, would give you six wins. <laughs> I don't that's, know if really say that. But yeah. so... But it just, you know, you love that if you're in a happy clubhouse, you just want to be in a happy clubhouse. I mean, you don't want to start saying, okay, this guy, Carlos Beltran's a jerk. He's telling you the wrong stuff. When half the people are, nine tenths of the people are following what he's doing, it's just, you're breaking up a good thing. I mean, it was a good thing going on. The cheating probably didn't help that much, but cracking down on the cheating might have done more harm. In the short run, of course, we know what happened in the end. Right. Um, like, that's my I, opinion. I, I, no, I, I think that you make a fantastic point. I mean, you could say that about anything. You could say that about a home, you know. You, you, you want to come home to a happy home, you know. You want to, you want to go to work and, and be happy, you know. You, you, happiness is contagious, you know. Yes. And, and to... You know, if I if I go and play in a musical ensemble, I want all the members of the group to be be happy to be there. You know, if you don't have it between, you know, the leader of the group and the members of the group, you're going to there's going to be friction. So I, I totally understand that. And I think that it, it provides um, an exceptional sense of empathy and vulnerability that uh, needs to be had. As, as we continue to watch this unfold because, you know, the, the, with, with the, the Lunau um, lawsuit and, and all these different things, and it's, it's going to be with us for some time. So I, 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 think, I think you did a fantastic job of talking about that in all its respects. And I, I can't thank you enough again for hopping on. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on. And I know that as these things develop, I will be, we'll be talking again soon. So I don't think that uh, we'll be strangers for, for very long. 
Good, Jack. I really enjoy talking to you too. This is a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. So uh, again, my thanks to, to Bill Metzger of uh, the Crawfish Boxes at uh, SB Nation. Uh, once again, you can check us out at osipfoundation.org. Contact the show podcast at osipfoundation.org. Uh, social media, facebook.com slash osipfoundation and Twitter and Instagram at osipfoundation. Hashtag play, how you play the game. So again, everybody, thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. And until then, treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the Osip Foundation Incorporated. The producer engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osafoundation.org.